everyone is a star child made of stardust and the infinite potential of the universe. This extraordinary fearless something in each of us clamors for freedom from the bonds of fear, conformity, and an ordinary life. Welcome to Dr. Durr's Living in the Sweet Spot, where practical tools and solutions from the intersection of mind-body medicine, science, and spiritual well-being awaken and empower you to live out your infinite potential, to live life in the sweet spot. Hi there. You know, in my experience, I talk with a lot of folks and many people, they just don't feel good about themselves. They um, uh, think there's something wrong with them. They think that they're unworthy. They're not deserving. And um, they also prioritize taking care of their loved ones more than they do themselves. And um, I think that shows up differently for women compared to men, but it does show up in both. But particularly, I find that women put the care of their children and their their, their spouses or, or their partners uh, ahead of care for themselves. And what's missing is that connection and understanding that I have to take care of me, take care of my health in order to take care of others well. And so how neglecting oneself, not having compassion for oneself actually then creates illness. So we all know that in order to, to be a happy, joyful life, you have to have health. And in order to live in the sweet spot, you have to feel good about yourself and, and you have to take care of your health. So joining me for that conversation today are my guests. Again, joining me for a third time is Drs. Mawusi Arnett and Drs. Bridget Arnett. Hello, hello. Hi, hi. Hey there. So, you know, so glad to have you all back for um, this conversation too, because obviously it's um, uh, as, as, three, as three doctors, that uh, this is something that um, I know that each of us encounter in our efforts to provide quality health care uh, to our patients, that we encounter uh, a lot of what I would say resistance <laughs> in, the, in the ability to help them help themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So Dr. Ballin, that's such a good point. And I don't know about you, but I experience similar resistance in my own life. I think most people do. That's how psychology works, right? We have these cognitive heuristics. We don't always do the rational thing that we know is right, um, despite Maya Angelou's advice. Uh, so especially as caregivers, professional caregivers, as clinicians who do a ton of work to take care of so many other people professionally, and then in our personal lives are taking care of family, friends. It's hard to make time for ourselves. That's my experience at least. I, I don't know. I and don't know and I would say, yeah, and I, I would agree with you, Dr. Wusi. Um, sometimes it is just really difficult uh, when you are 
taking so much time to care for someone, I mean, even if it's just day to day, taking care of children, fixing meals, you expend so much energy that sometimes you're tired. And then when it's time to take care of yourself, you've just run out of steam. And that's where we do have to consider um, that we have to have that extra for ourselves, even if it's just to get in a luxuriating warm bath or um, stretch for 30 minutes uh, while you're in the bath or just take time to read a book or do something for yourself. But but women, especially Dr. Ballon, as you mentioned, women always taking care of others and how society has kind of groomed us to do that. We, we, we do that to exhaustion sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to, um, uh, I was gonna say you bring up some, you bring up some, some great points before we get into that some more though. I, I want to remind the audience of, of how brilliant you two are. Uh, the, 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 the two doctors, Arnett, <laughs> daughter and mother. <laughs> so, um, uh, Dr. Mawusi Arnett, she is a physician entrepreneur with a background in health disparities research and her board certifications are in family medicine and in obesity medicine. And she is the founder and CEO of bitewellness.com a text message-based wellness learning community for Black women looking to shift habits, cut disease risk, and boost well-being. And then there is Dr. Bridget Arnett, who has both an MD and a PhD with more than 20 years of experience, and her board certifications are in neurology, clinical neurophysiology, and sleep medicine. And then she's also the clinical advisor of bitewellness.com. So again, thank you, uh, Drs. Arnett, uh, for, for turning to the platform and for, again, you know, bringing, bringing your brilliance and wealth of experience uh, and sharing that with the audience. Well, thank you for having us, Dr. Bellin. Yeah. You know, and as, as Dr. Bridges say, you know, some, a lot of times we do that to the point of exhaustion. So I, so I wanted to, to pick up on that um, with where we were talking about that, that exhaustion, because, you know, I'm, I know what's true for the three of us, having trained as physicians, we're conditioned to, to work and take care of others to the point of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right about that. I mean, that is, you know, the life of a medical student or resident is to be on call, to be on call for 24 hours. And you frequently will neglect yourself. Um, and then couple that with being a mother, a wife, a, um, um, you know, or taking care of parents, you're trying to balance um your professional life and what's expected of you as well as maintaining your home life and supporting your home life so that you don't feel that you're neglecting anyone uh, that takes its toll i mean psychologically physically and you know dr Roos can always tell us because she's so good at this um some of the 
chemical dysfunction that occurs and how that disrupts your fight flight um, pathways, your sympathetic pathways, where you always feel that you're on, you're always revved up, you're always trying to get through the day. And when that system is so revved up for so long, just so that you can make it, it causes, it wreaks havoc on multiple organ systems, your brain for sure, your muscles, your joints. Um, and unless you recharge, unless you kind of calm that system down, you do act on a level to the point of exhaustion. And then that is how it is just difficult to sleep after that. It's difficult to think. It's difficult to kind of just be a happy whole person, even though the responsibilities are still there. Yeah, there's 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 actually what you were talking about that reminded me of this book that I read probably decades ago, actually about it's called Tired of Being Tired. And mm. it was my physician, I can't recall her name right now, but she talked about, of course, about, you know, doing that to the point of exhausting your, excuse me, your adrenals, which of course is part of that fight or flight response. And, um, you know, and again, how that throws things um, out of whack. So, um, so yeah, so I'm so glad that we're going to get in into that today. In addition to talking about again those barriers that uh, contribute, to, you know, to uh, to the to the self neglect that we think is okay. I'm so glad you mentioned that that book, Dr. Bowen, because um, what is it? Tired of being tired. You mentioned the uh, adrenal strain uh, that occurs when we experience chronic stress and, you know, we've spent uh, a lot of time as a scientific community, medical community, talking about the ways that stress triggers our stress hormone, cortisol. Most of the audience will have heard something about cortisol, but there is this growing body of slightly newer information, um, showing that it's not just the cortisol uh, that our fight and flight response triggers. There's also chronic inflammation that is triggered by the fight, and flight, fight or flight response, which is triggered by this chronic stress, which our brains read as a social threat. And so this newer research falls under the theory of social genomics. And so there've been papers written on this um, that explain pretty clearly how we go from- Dr. Moussi, I'm sorry for inter interrupting you. I was just gonna ask you, cause I, 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 I think while the three of us may understand the importance of, of chronic inflammation, um, I, I think that that's something that is probably not quite in uh, a lot of folks' understanding about the significance of that, like most people don't understand that inflammation is a part of, of most disease processes, including they're starting to think that's true about Alzheimer's. But um, but why but why don't you share share why chronic inflammation why it matters why why we need to do something about it? Yeah, yeah. So so most folks will have heard of inflammation. Um, and if you think you haven't, just look in your medicine cabinet and go for the Advil or the Aleve. It's an anti-inflammatory pill, right? So we've been 
dealing with, doing things to deal with the inflammation in our bodies our entire lives, right? Um, now, inflammation itself is not a bad thing. Let's think of inflammation as maybe the exhaust. This isn't a perfect analogy, but think of it as the exhaust that comes from a car engine, right? You're driving. I mean, we know now that just about all the smoke released from cars is bad for the environment. But let's assume there's a world in which a little bit of of smoke released from a well-functioning car is just fine. In fact, it's a necessary part of the functioning of the system. But the problem is with chronic inflammation, and I'll, I'll talk about what inflammation is in a moment and the purpose it serves, but just keep in mind there's this idea that a little bit of inflammation that lasts for a short time and goes away, that's acute, good actually great for us. We need that to work for us, to help us heal and to help us fight microbes, fight infection. Two purposes of inflammation. That's why our bodies have it. But when inflammation lasts for longer than 24 to 48 hours, longer than that brief period, and we've got that car that is constantly blowing big billows of gray smoke, it causes disruption in the environment to the people inside the car, to the people outside the car. And so that's, we can think of chronic inflammation that way. It disrupts our system. So um, when we experience inflammation, even in the short term, our body adjusts the way that it functions. Inflammation happens when we are in some type of danger. There's an infection or there is a wound like tissue damage, right? Yeah, injury. Uh, that, yes, that mm -hmm. we can see on our outside or that we can see inside, like the inside, the inner linings of our blood vessels, the endothelial linings of our blood vessels, those are injured and inflammation is triggered to heal them. So- Which when, is a great, which, wait a minute, that's a, I think that's a great example for people because most folks understand that, um, uh, you know, that if you have a heart attack, well, the thing that contributes to the heart attack or that contributes to the stroke um, is the fact that you get inflammation of the blood vessels, the body's trying to, to cover over that and heal over it. In the process, it, it builds up a plaque and the plaque gets so big that it cuts off blood supply to the tissue. In the case of the heart, then you get a heart attack. In the case of your brain, you get a, what well, you know, the people publicly call it, you know, a stroke. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's a great example of why we don't want <laughs> it. We don't want chronic inflammation, but, but go on. I'm sorry. You were saying. Yeah, no, thank you for yeah. pointing that out. Um, mm -hmm. great analogy is just that we, we get a scrape on our elbow, right? Everyone's had a skin knee or skinned elbow, especially growing up and, Generally, it heals. But you know, if you pick at that scab, if you keep on opening the wounds and you make your body go through the healing process over and over again, it's our bodies are really so incredible. The fact that we can have so many injuries and heal ourselves is amazing. And then the fact that at some point the body says, like, you got one more game. I am not going to keep healing you if you keep injuring yourself in the same way, eventually the healing process can form a scar 
and, and fibrotic tissue. So it turns out we don't heal that well when we have to heal over and over again. And that's kind of what we're asking our bodies to do when we have chronic inflammation. The other thing that happens at the molecular level, this part is really important, is that when inflammation is triggered, it actually changes the way that we read our DNA, the way that we read our genes. Certain genes get turned on, the inflammatory genes get turned on because the body says, oh, I've got an injury or I've got an infection. This has to be taken care of now. There is almost nothing that supersedes that, right? We're still breathing, our blood is still flowing, but these other background functions in our body are actually downgraded. We are not making the proteins that we need or as many of the proteins that we need to control our blood sugar. The body says, hey, for 24 hours, I won't spend energy on that so I can put energy into inflammation, healing. For 24 hours, I'm not going to control my blood pressure that well so I can put energy into inflammation, healing, or fighting an infection, right? There's even TP3 called the guardian of the genome, uh, this uh, component of all of our cells. The job of TP3 is to scan the DNA in all of our cells and look for mutations that can turn into cancer and then call over our immune cells and kill that, that one mutated cell before it grows into a true cancer. Now, so you know what? So actually, I, and actually, I wanted to give Dr. Bridget an opportunity to 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 comment too, because I was actually thinking about the fact too that obviously when you have a lot of chronic inflammation going on, Dr. Bridget, it also um, you know suppresses your immune system, and then potentially you know again, what's the potential impact upon that you know in terms of brain health? Right. So I mean, just as Dr. Luce was saying, um, as all of these inflammatory conditions ramp up, you ratchet down other conditions. So other processes just aren't going to work. Uh, what happens to the brain itself, you get changes in blood flow within the body, and then you get extra blood flow to certain parts of the brain. As Dr. Hoos was saying, your blood pressure isn't controlled as well. So your blood pressure is higher, and then that can injure your brain. I mean, blood pressure being very high for a long period of time can lead to strokes, can lead to um, greater injury to the blood vessels of the brain. Uh, when your blood sugar isn't controlled for 24 hours under extreme episodes of stress and inflammatory stress like an infection, if you happen to be diabetic, you can go into a diabetic coma or what's called DKA or diabetic ketoacidosis or its cousin, hyperosmolar um non-ketotic hyperosmolar hyperglycemic uh, syndrome. So these are things that can happen under this period of inflammation and her analysis. So she's, show, she's she was describing what's happening if there's a wound or an infection, but imagine this inflammatory process is occurring because you're under the physiologic and psychological stress of working hard all day, racism trying to care for family members, not taking care of yourself. And imagine that that goes on for more than 24 hours so that you don't have that reset where your body and, and brain can then reset to control your blood pressure, reset to control your uh, blood glucose. And then you're stuck 
and you have this vicious circle and then you develop strokes, heart attacks, or at least set the stage of inflammation within your blood vessels, repeated, repeated injury so that it increases your risk of strokes and heart attacks. And Dr. Woods and I were talking before, Dr. Ballin, we were trying to share with you this, this study about inflammatory markers and how lots of studies have shown that even racism and microaggressions and, and perceived slights, how they actually impact and change these inflammatory cells, um, putting us in that same fight-flight system that Dr. Woods was talking about. So yeah, Dr. Roos, I was going to say, if you could, you know, kind of tell us about that uh, uh, briefly before we go to break. Um, sure. Well, I just want to go back to what I was talking about earlier. Okay. I don't think I've finished mentioning this TP3 guardian of the genome, okay. which, by the way, when it is downgraded, means that we have increased risk of cancer. So we're not just talking about increased diabetes risk, high blood pressure which can lead to stroke, heart attack, kidney disease, and failure. We're not just talking about damage to the interior of our blood cells. We're also talking about increased cancer risk if we have unaddressed chronic stress and unaddressed chronic inflammation as a result. And that is yeah. part of the immune system, right? The, yeah, the immune system is so involved in inflammation. That's one of its main jobs, but it also plays a really big role in anti-inflammation and we need the balance. Right. right. So that explains, as you mentioned earlier, why chronic inflammation underlies so many of the metabolic diseases that we're seeing take off all around the world today. Okay. Yes. So, so, th so, so thank you for, for sharing that with us. And then when we come back, we're going to get in from the break, we're going to get into, uh, Again, talking about some of those things that, that that we tell ourselves that say it's okay for me to neglect myself while I take better care of somebody else, and then talk about what things uh, specifically that that we can do uh, that are for self care that that promote self care. Although I have to tell you, Doctor Bridges, you'd already mentioned one of my favorite ones, which is taking a bath, <laughs> a hot bath. Yes, <laughs> so. Yeah. So, yes. uh, so we'll we'll get into we'll get into that when we come back from the break, okay? Okay. Having a balance in you takes you on an inward journey of discovery that dramatically transforms your outward experience of life. Discover the power of belief. Utilize it in connection with science to create a vision of meaning and purpose that pulls you forward. Let go of the meager me to discover the magnificent me. Let go of your painful past and live life free from fear, worry, and stagnation. Experience an abundant universe as you powerfully create happiness, relationships, health, and limitless opportunities. When you heal your mind, all things are possible. Hey there, Dr. Ballin A. Durr here. Um, we're talking today about you know, in other words, how, what things are going on in our heads, the things we think, how our brain functions and operates and how that is a part of uh, whether we take good care of ourselves or not. So again, joining me for that conversation 
uh, are the brilliant doctors Arnett, Dr. Mawusi Arnett, and Dr. Bridget Arnett. So thank you for joining me. So again, before we went to the break, we were talking about um, chronic inflammation, what that is, why it matters, uh, how it impacts uh, the body and, and you know, contributes to um, um, illness as a part of many illness processes that are going on in the body. So now I'm, we were going to go ahead and, 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 and talk about those things that um, sometimes the things that we, that we think or believe or things that have contributed to uh, even sometimes the way that when the brain, when, when we're having mental illness, um, how those things can contribute to uh, a lack of self-care, um, those things that we think and experiences that we have how that can contribute to the fact that um, then we don't have compassion for ourselves and therefore we don't take care of ourselves. Yeah. So Dr. Bridget, would you like to start? You know, I thinking of ways to decompress, to ratchet down that uh, fight flight system. Um, we mentioned before, whatever is calming for you. And, and you're right. There are barriers where sometimes we're just so exhausted, we don't think that it's important enough for us to take time to decompress. And if we value ourselves, even as caregivers, we have to remember that to be a good caregiver, we have to take care of ourselves uh, first to then be not only a, um, uh, a conduit for others but, or an example for others, but to actually be able to help them. So whatever that is, and it, and sometimes people always think, oh, I take too much time. I can't exercise. I can't, uh, I, I can't sleep long enough. I, um, I can't take all this time to spend on myself. And sometimes you just have to think of something fun. So some people love music. Sometimes just blasting your music and dancing to your favorite song, even if it's three minutes, dancing to six, songs off of your favorite album, that's 18 minutes or 20, that's about 23 minutes or so. You can actually dance and figure out something that releases energy, gets you moving or not moving. It could be meditation. <laughs> you know, it could be, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the movement train. So that always, I think that's one of the best ways, but also sleep. Sleep is so important. And sometimes we always think that that is the one, um, one task that we can always put off. Oh, I, I can do three more things and then I'll go to sleep. I can watch more tele, watch more Netflix and then I'll go to sleep. And then eventually you're only sleeping three hours. You're always, you're get up in the middle of the night to perform more tasks that you think you didn't complete for the day. And then you're sleeping only two hours. And that's no good for your brain. The thing that women are conditioned to think that in terms of their role of taking care of others, hmm. that they neglect themselves, that they, everybody else needs to come first. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I need to take care of my kids first. I need to take care of my parents. I need to take care of whomever. And it's, it's um, uh, without thinking of themselves, obviously I think of, you know, the, 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 and, and all of us travel. So, you know, when you're on a plane, 
the what do the the flight attendants say before takeoff? Should the cabin lose, you know, air pressure, oxygen mask will fall from the ceiling. If you're traveling with someone, secure your mask first, then assist others. Because as I tell people, if you if if you pass out a dead, who are you gonna help? Um, and so you know, and you can only give you can only give what you have, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I got some water here, and um, all I can give someone is water because that's what's in there. I can't give them juice. You know, I can't give them milk. I can't give them lemonade. I can't give them champagne. Only what I have. And and if I run myself down to you know to this much, that's all I can give you as well, right? Um, I can only give you what I have. And so if I want to take care of folks optimally, um, I need to take care of me. The other way mm-hmm. I ask folks to think about it is if you a Formula One race car, if you don't pull up to the pump and put in 87 regular gas, 87 octane regular gas in there, and then be surprised if it's stopping and starting and spluttering and carrying on because you didn't put the proper gas in there, right? right? So, and I know we're going to get into talking about those things like nutrition because they're important. Um, but there are some things, you know, that, that folks also think about shame and guilt. Um, there are, uh, in terms of, and I try to say to folks in terms of, you know, shame and guilt are different. Guilt is that I'm guilty. You know, I feel bad about something I did. Shame is that I, um, I did that I did guilt is I did something bad or wrong. And shame is I'm bad or I'm wrong. And so that's Mm. why it's so much more inherently difficult to deal with um, shame, which usually, of course, comes from, you know, Mm. abuse or neglect um, that people feel that ways about themselves. But it's another reason that says why I shouldn't take care of myself. And, And then there are, you know, I know some things that, you know, of course, in terms of, um, uh, certain brain illnesses, people get depressed, they don't take care of themselves well. Schizophrenia, they don't take care of themselves well. Addictions, they don't take care of themselves well. Um, but then there's also, and and just to kind of get into some of the the, the, the medical reasons, and I ask people to keep in, keep in mind that your body can't live without a brain. So when you don't take care of that, then things don't function well, either the way you feel, think, what you do or how your body functions, but just what are some other maybe physical illnesses that might contribute to people not taking care of themselves? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm glad you brought up that there's a distinction between a mental illness or physical illness that impairs someone's ability to care for themselves. And on the other side, a just a mindset or a cognitive heuristic, a blind spot of sorts that makes it difficult for folks to do the thing that they know they should do. So of course there are physical conditions that if they're disabling enough, make it very difficult for folks to get out of bed, to move on a regular basis. We think about chronic pain. We think about very severe arthritis or chronic back pain, 
with or without, you know, the neuropathy, the nerve symptoms uh, like sciatica that folks have heard of that can cause pain and weakness of your legs, not just pain in the back when you move. Um, we think about heart failure um, that makes it really difficult. It lowers exercise tolerance, so it makes it difficult to breathe when you move because you can't pump enough blood out to your all of your organs um, and uh, to feed them, and so your lungs just can't keep up. Um, in heart failure, folks might have fluid in their lungs, which makes it harder to oxygenate the blood. They may have uh, swollen legs or a swollen belly um, as a symptom of the heart failure, which makes them feel a lot heavier, actually does make them heavier, sometimes by 10 plus pounds. Um, and so that makes it really hard to move. Um, we know, too, in talking about sleep as a, and maybe Dr. Bridget as a sleep doctor can weigh in on this, but we know that there are strong two-way associations between chronic physical diseases and sleep such that um, even as people develop type 2 diabetes and heart disease and um, progressive dementia, their sleep is impaired. So even if they did all the things, they have great sleep habits and they make time, um, they, they put sleep on their schedule and they cut out all their lives, right? Great sleep hygiene, that their brains will limit their ability to sleep and sleep being a major part of anti-inflammatory self-care that just creates a compounding risk. Yes, yeah, Dr. Yes. Bridget, I definitely wanted you to... Um... Uh, talk about, you know, uh, dementias, whether it's Alzheimer or any other ones or any other mm -hmm. brain illnesses you think that, you know, briefly that, that you think might, you know, would be a contributor to, 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 to how people kind of maybe even think of themselves or just, just not the, or just the brain just not functioning well mm -hmm. so they take care of themselves. Right. I mean, the, you, you mentioned it. The classic is dementia. So if you have any type of cognitive impairment of any kind, sometimes you don't recognize that you need to take care of yourself. Sometimes you don't recognize that you should take your, take your medications, you should exercise, um, that you should see your doctor. Um, another one that is maybe not as well recognized, but maybe a little bit more pervasive is when people are slightly depressed or um, down or just unsure of themselves uh, and and maybe other difficulty with coping mechanisms, it's sometimes hard for them to even just, when, when we just think of simple self-care, getting up, brushing your teeth, taking a shower every day, washing your, you know, putting on clean clothes, let alone, now we're telling them to go out and exercise too. So even if you feel overburdened to the point where it's just very difficult to cope because you're doing so much, that may make it hard to have the motivation to do more for yourself. That also impacts your ability to sleep because, you know, definitely dementia interferes with your ability to have a normal circadian rhythm, the normal time that most people would fall asleep and go into deep stages of sleep. If you have any type of brain impairment or dementia, mild dementia, mild cognitive impairment, depression, anxiety, um, all of those can contribute to poor sleep, 
lack of motivation. And those are barriers to actually taking care of yourself. In addition to like what Dr. Wu said, the physical, you know, one thing that I do want to add, because you mentioned like arthritis, you can consider people who have severe migraines, but one that I see a lot are folks with um, in-stage renal disease on hemodialysis. They are going through dialysis three to six hours a day. They are exhausted. This happens three times a week. And then the following day, they're just trying to catch up and feel better. Then they go to dialysis again. So if you're in dialysis Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you may actually feel good on Sunday. Maybe your only day you really feel good because you're catching up on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday from your Monday, Wednesday, Friday sessions. And Sunday may be your only really good day that you feel decent. So, I mean, there are there are a lot of barriers, um, but you have to figure out, like I said, what works for you and ease yourself into, and, and sometimes you have to be, you, have, you need the assistance and guidance of a coach or a doctor or a friend or someone else who can guide you through to help you. Um, but if you can find what works for you, everyone can, um, can, can overcome those barriers. So Dr. Um, Bridget, the other thing that occurred to me as you were speaking um, was also then, in, then one, someone with cancer. And mm. the other thing that I actually wondered about too, especially with your specialty in sleep medicine is what about, um, what about folks that have sleep apnea? Mm. Would you address those two? Right. So, I mean, if you have, you mean in terms of sleep in general or? Well, just, just in terms of, obviously, I think someone with cancer, because it's just as you were speaking, I thought about that, that the obviously mm-hmm. on the treatment with its radiation, whether it's chemo, whether whatever it is, would, it's, would you know, definitely, you know, fatigue them, cause them to have difficulty caring for themselves. But I'm thinking about particularly in, in um, light of, someone with sleep apnea, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, they're not getting enough oxygen during the night, they're not sleeping and resting well, how that mm-hmm. might also contribute to um, them not taking care of themselves yes. Um, yes. as well as... Right. The so so the, big, the biggest barrier there with sleep apnea, when you are sleeping through the night and awakening multiple times an hour, sometimes a hundred, imagine having micro arousals, you're awakening up to 120 times in an hour. That's insane, right? That you can do that because you are awakening, stopping breathing. And every single time that you stop breathing long enough, your brain, um, there's a trigger to actually make you wake up to take a breath. So when you're sleeping, you have a lot of processes that are automatic you know, part of the autonomic nervous system, they're just functioning so that under certain conditions, if your oxygen levels go low, your carbon dioxide levels go too high, then um, if you cannot overcome that chemical imbalance, your brain can functionally make you wake up because then you can physically take a breath and overcome that disparity. A lot of times, you wait, when I say wake up, it's a micro arousal and most people aren't aware. So that's what your sleep apnea is. You're having an episode where you're not breathing, um, your oxygen levels go low, your carbon dioxide levels go high enough. And when that disparity 
when that range changes enough, you take a breath and your brain turns you on. So if you cannot- We got a problem. (laughs) We got a problem. Right, Right. exactly. So imagine an eight eight hours in the bed, but you're awakening 60 times an hour, micro arousals, then you are probably effectively sleeping maybe two hours a night and it's and it's fractured over an eight hour period. Uh, the problem there is you cannot go into the normal stages of sleep, you can't go into the restorative stages of sleep, and you can't go into this sort of, there's this power wash system of the brain where the inflammatory components of the brain are kind of washed out. It's like that lymphatic system of the brain. And that happens after a cycle of REM sleep. But usually if you slept contiguously for um, five, at least five and a half to six hours, that that process kicks in. So if you're having all these microarousals, you're going to be exhausted. Your brain is not going to be able to go through normal stages that would allow for recovery, for learning, um, other processes that help with um, muscle repair, joint repair. So folks who are chronically sleep deprived, which is what you would be, would be achier, have more, of course, be more fatigued, have more joint pain. Typically, you're more dehydrated. It actually leads to dementia and shrinkage of your temporal lobe. So that chronic sleep uh, deprivation over time leads to dementia. So it is, so that by itself, you are exhausted, you're fatigued, and you have no motivation because you're tired all the time. You're falling asleep throughout the day because you're so sleep deprived. So patients like that, unless you're treated, it's hard to then say, oh, we want you to be motivated to exercise or to take care of yourself or, you know, um, to do more than, you know, to do more than what you're already doing. That would be a Herculean task to force someone to do that without treating their sleep apnea folks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe even the average person doesn't understand that you actually need at least three hours minimum of sleep for it to have any restorative benefits, anything less than that, and just really not much. The other thing too, and I'm just, you know, just gonna throw this part in there because then we're gonna go to, to uh, Dr. Mawusi so we can talk about EMS. Um, in, in terms of self-care is the fact that um, you can reach a point of sleep deprivation that's equal to uh, a DUI. I mean, you're driving mm-hmm. on the influence of, of alcohol or a drug or a yes. substance, but you can be, your sleep deprivation can reach that level where it's mm-hmm. the, the equivalent of that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so how sleep? Because yeah, how sleep deprived do you have to be for it to to be equal to a DUI? I mean, you know what? So that's different for everyone, and what type of brain reserves or plasticity that you have. Um, of course, the older you are, the more dehydrated you are, and if you already have some mild cognitive impairments. Um, but it takes for some young it because it happens in young people too. But it takes <laughs> weeks and days of con- it does multiple days in a row of poor sleep and then you're just you're just loopy all day so so you, are, you, are you trying to say that um it takes a shorter period of time for you out to have the equivalent of a dui yes absolutely absolutely 
<laughs> so it may be it may be it may be one or two days for older people. It okay. may be five or six days for a younger person. But yeah. Okay. Okay. So Dr. Mawusi, let's go ahead and, and get into um the the what you termed previously the EMS of self-care. Right. We have all these reasons why we need to take care of ourselves. And when we talk about the well, hold on a second. so what reason let me just say this to kind of dovetail on what you said, the main reason for us to take care of ourselves is because, because we are deserving, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. We, mm -hmm. yes. Everyone has their own beauty, their own brilliance, their yes. own unique yes. design and purpose. And in yes. order to fulfill that, you know, as I like to say, you know, I, I believe I'm a spiritual being, uh, but that being said, my spirit needs hands and feet. <laughs> you know, so, so I need to take care of the vessel yes. in order yes. to be able to yes. contribute to the world at large, my, my unique purpose, right? Because just yes. like the heart and the liver are special and the body can't live without it. My, my contribution, your contributions, each of you ladies, nobody does it the way you do it. So e everyone deserves self-care and everyone deserves to be to, to take care of themselves because mm -hmm. you exist, right? Yes. Because you exist, because you have a unique, wonderful contribution. So, mm -hmm. so, 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 so Dr. Dr. Mawusi, if folks can get over the fact that because of their traumas or because of, you know, their, their forming thoughts that go out, no, I'm not deserving. That part's not true. Obviously mm -hmm. the brain health mm -hmm. stuff, other injuries or the physical things that are going on that contribute that, that we need to address those medical conditions. Um, but once we get that addressed and that dealt with, what's what's the EMS that they need uh, in order to, to do to take care of themselves? And I know we've talked about some of them already, like yeah. sleep. Yeah. So we talked about this in, a, in the last episode, but you all know EMS, emergency medical services, EMS, call EMS and the ambulance pulls up, right? They're the ones who are going to save you. So the same thought applies. Um, we need these, we desperately need these daily anti-inflammatory habits in order mm -hmm. to keep our bodies and our brains going. Um, mm -hmm. And so we've got eating for the E, we've got movement for the M, we've got a few S's, lots of S's, but let's start with just getting enough sleep and then stress management. So those are what I call our big four wellness superpowers because they do so much in terms of helping us to restore ourselves. We talked about the restorative capacity of sleep. Um, and without them, like this is how we know they're essential because without them, things fall apart really quickly. So we were talking about how much of a sleep debt you need to be equivalent to a DUI, right? To be so out of it and have such a slow reaction time that you might as well be driving intoxicated. Well, you only actually need five hours of sleep debt for one night in order to see a change in your metabolic factors that affect blood sugar control that affect weight. So mm. we see an increase in ghrelin, the hormone that makes us hungry. We see a decrease in mm. leptin, 
the hormone that tells our bodies, okay, you've had enough to eat, you're okay. Mm -hmm. uh, we see an increase, incremental increase in BMI uh, mm -hmm. as folks build on their sleep debt. But we see changes mm -hmm. in those hormones just from one day to the next if, if you've missed out on about five hours of sleep. So we, we can't do without these things. And we already mm -hmm. established the strong so that's connection. Probably, that's why explains why it's almost impossible to lose weight when you're sleep deprived. Yeah, it really mm -hmm. is. You yeah. can work out forever. You can change yep. change up your eating, eat all the plants in the world, yep. which we'll talk about, avoid the ultra-processed foods, and you will not see as much of a change as you'd expect because your home hormones are working against you because right. the lack of sleep has destabilized them. So, I mean, you know, I just can't hit this hard enough. These are not nice to haves. They're EMS for a reason. They, they, there is an emergency in our bodies happening if we don't do mm. these things on a daily sure. basis, right? Sure. The red flags right. go up, um, the alarms go off. So we talked about eating and I didn't get into that so much, but the idea is whole food plant heavy diet, not necessarily only exclusively plant-based. So studies show you don't have to be vegan, you don't have to be vegetarian, but ideally eating tons of plants, meaning per the USDA's My Plate recommendation, if you look at your, your plate, um, each meal as a circular plate, ideally half of that plate at least is whole fruits and veggies and or veggies. Mm -hmm. or, or, or one way to, 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 to deal with this is just if you have a meal that's just plant-based, mm -hmm. one meal a day that's plant-based is another way to, to do it. And then, um, and then, um, what, what's some other ways, Dr. Dr. Mawusi, cause we, we running out of time. Running out of time. Yeah. I mean the, so whole food, plant-based eating the whole food part means try to avoid the ultra processed foods. I want folks mm -hmm. to look up the Nova classification system in OVA from the UN commission that was put in place to look at just how processed our foods have gotten. And they called these ultra processed foods, which account for about 60 to 70% of our entire food system. They call them factory foods filled with industrial mm -hmm. ingredients. So most mm -hmm. of what we see in the grocery store is not actually real food. This is not the food that our ancestors ate. This is not the food that our bodies evolved to process. And many of these ingredients that you can only handle in a factory setting are pro-inflammatory. So the food that most of us mm -hmm. eat is working against us. So got to hit that mm -hmm. whole foods part really hard, not shopping at the grocery store whole foods, but avoiding the ultra processed foods um, and then mm -hmm. making sure that we get enough plants. So um, and then, of course, in, in nutrition wise, um, uh, you know, we need things, you know, like vitamin D and and, you know, magnesium and zinc mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, chromium and um, and most of um, those we selenium. get from. Yes. And, and mm -hmm. our essential fatty acids, so our polyunsaturated fatty acids, our puffers, the omega-3s, the omega-6s, um, we need a ton of phytonutrients that come from plants, 
fruits and vegetables, yeah. things that people will have heard of like flavonoids, resveratrol. You probably hear this thrown around when we get into cold season and especially during the pandemic, people talk about building up your immune system with those phytonutrients. Vitamin D. And vitamin C, yes. Right, vitamin D right. is so important, especially for melanated folks in the United States. Most will need yeah. to make some sort Person of supplement. Is, I mean, vitamin D, especially also those things I rattle off were for good for also for brain health in terms of you know depression mm -hmm. and anxiety, but they're also involved mm -hmm. in a lot of other health processes. So, yes, um, exactly so, right. so we talked about sleep. Uh, we talked about movement. We talked about we talked about um, some nutrition. For movement, I just want to highlight, try to be as active as possible. I, You all see me moving around here because I'm standing up because if you can set just basic rules for yourself to increase your physical activity, one of mine is when I get on a, a Zoom call because it's so easy to just, you know, sink into the couch or the chair like, and I spend a lot of time on my computer otherwise, this is the time where I'm going to say I'm standing up, I'm having this conversation. It actually kind of helps my brain work. So that's one rule that I've made for myself. Another that other folks can try is uh, practice walking up the stairs when you can. I know we hear that all the time, but it's really mm -hmm. helpful. Stairs instead of elevator, um, mm -hmm. driving to Resistance work. Bands. Resistance bands. Resistance mm -hmm. bands. You can use it at work while you're sitting at your yeah. desk. You can use it on mm -hmm. your break. They roll up, mm -hmm. you can take them in your work bag. Nobody has mm -hmm. to go. Or, yep. or you can tell everyone, if it makes you feel good, you'll be like the office workout hero. Um, there's also <laughs> a simple of just wherever you are going, park three blocks away. If it's safe mm -hmm. enough, weather-wise, violence-wise, for you to walk the extra three blocks, bake that into mm -hmm. your time if possible. Mm -hmm. And then you've mm -hmm. got, by the time you finish walking there and then back, you've got just over a half mile that you walk for the day. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I want to thank both of the brilliant doctors Arnett, Dr. Marusi Arnett and Dr. Bridget Arnett um, for, for joining us and having this conversation. Um, and um, 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 ladies, uh, again, I just want to say thank you for, for offering this wealth of information um, in terms of how we can take care of ourselves. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, we need to have we need to have compassion for ourselves and say I matter in order to take care of ourselves. So, so thank you again. Thank and you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you you are more than welcome. More than welcome. I hope you've learned some wonderful things to help you take care of your brain health, to take care of your body's health, to help you live your best life in the sweet spot. I'm your host, Dr. Balan Ader, offering you practical tools and solutions to awaken and empower you to live life in the sweet spot. Thank you for joining us today in the sweet spot. Share, follow, and like us on social media. To learn more, please visit balinadermd.com, spelled B-A-L-I-N-A-D. -E
D-U-R-R-M-D.com. Join us next week. And remember, when you heal your mind, all things are possible.